Welcome to another episode of Sunrise Life, where we have beyond skin deep conversations with fellow freelance models. We're here to uncover humanity and raise awareness of what freelance modeling is and share some of the fun and quirky and crazy and sometimes fucked up stories that some of us traveling freelance models have to deal with. And today I have my friend Ashley Roberts on the show. Ashley, say hello. Hi, guys. Ashley is an inked model and she's been published in Penthouse and she's awesome. And I got to meet her when I went through Las Vegas recently. Oh, that was such a fun day. I, I really loved everything that we shot and <laughs> I was just happy to finally meet you in person. That was have, a cool day. Have you uh, done anything else with Brittany since you adopted her? No, I've been taking very good care of her, but we haven't had any shoots yet. She's had a nice bath and make sure she has on her cute little outfits. Um, she told me she misses you Aww. and she really hopes you come back soon. <laughs> After I gave you Brittany, I received a new sex doll in the mail from another company. I knew that was coming. How does she look like what, you know, what's her hairstyle? And are you happy that she has like a whole body now? Is it like how much room is she taking up? So it's it's a it's a good thing. And there's negative sides to it, too. First of all, she's like 80 pounds. <gasps> So she's probably harder to get that strap on in when you're like <laughs> holding her and manhandling Brittany. You like really knew how to handle that. <laughs> I, I haven't fucked her yet, but uh, for those listening, you know, like, I got to work out first. <laughs> for those listening, Brittany is a sex doll that some company sent me so that I could make a YouTube video of it. And Brittany had big boobies, but no arms, no arms. legs or head. So she's a torso doll. But she's only like 30 pounds. And the new doll that I have is called Karina. And she's a full body, like arms, legs, head, everything doll. But What color hair do you send her? She has like silver hair. So she's really pretty. She has small boobs, but they're nice and perky. Um, I like that. Team small boobs. (laughs) Yeah, I'm into it too. But uh, all of her like joints are kind of hard to bend. They don't bend very easily. I think they do that so that you can keep her in a firm position to like, you know, utilize her properly. But so sh- she's harder to manipulate as far as posing her and stuff. But I'm probably going to make she, is she your height or is she like quite a bit smaller. Mm, she's I would say she's probably about like four foot six or something like that. So, she's, oh, she's tiny. Yeah. She's heavy though. She's heavy for a little, little lady. <laughs> yeah. I think her, her frame is metal and then she has that medical grade silicone like all over her. So, so yeah. She's so a lot of maintenance, but feels nice. <laughs> yeah. I, so far I've just made the YouTube video that the company sent me, um, the doll to make. And I have, I have other creative projects that I want to do with her, but, um, but yeah. So. Oh, you have the best imagination. I can't see, wait to see what kind of videos you come up with. For her. Uh, Hopefully if you come back, we can utilize her together. Yeah. Yeah. Her and Brittany at the same time. Oh my goodness. Now you're talking. Um, the idea that I have that I really want to do is kind of based on one of the internet reviews that I saw for one of these sex dolls. And it was a guy who's a photographer who claims in his review that he doesn't have sex with her, but he uses her for his photography because she doesn't talk back and he can make her do whatever pose he wants. <laughs> oh 
oh my god like you're like okay that's totally normal yeah so <laughs> I uh I just I have such a fascination with these dolls too even before you told me about your Britney one I just I've, I've watched shows and these weird relationships that people have with them and that one movie that Lars is the real girl that I told you about I like, still I haven't watched that but it's on my list <laughs> You haven't done your homework, young lady? I'm going to spank you next time I see you. I'm terrible. <laughs> I am terrible when it comes to sitting down and watching a movie. I I just don't have the attention span, I guess. I can't either. I like watching movies on my phone, and I'll just keep it around with me, like, start it while I'm in the shower, and then have it sitting there while I'm cooking dinner, and then while I'm moving into the laundry room. I can't just sit and watch Yeah, I, I end up scrolling on TikTok because there's a lot of great stuff on there that's short attention span catching. You need to get back on there. I got a little discouraged because I got, like, deleted for the third time, and oh. I was just like... What's the point? It's a lot of energy to put into something that just disappears. But I think I'm going to get back on there. I miss seeing yours. Yours are always entertaining. So (laughs) I'll get on there for that. (laughs) Do you know what you might have posted that caused you to get taken down? Well, I've been looking for like a OnlyFans management team to help me. And the one guy I was talking to last week said that just by seeing some of the older TikToks I have on my Instagram, that they're just really inappropriate. They're just like pushing the envelope too much, uh, too much skin. Um, what I'm talking about is too suggestive. He's just like everything you're posting. Like it's just too much for TikTok. Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thanks for the honesty. Yeah. I'll try again, maybe. That sucks. And I've noticed that the ones that I make that are like sexier get shadow banned really quick. And ones that are more like funny and I'm wearing a full on turtleneck usually seem to get more action because TikTok hates cute chicks, apparently. Well, thank you for reaffirming what that that guy told me. I think I'm going to try it again and just just scrap all the naughty stuff. I'll keep that, you know. Yeah, I think that if you can make it look like it was accidentally naughty, like like you tripped and somebody almost saw up your skirt or something like that, I think that that might pass if it's like accidental or if you make it look accidental. But if you're like intentionally trying to be naughty, then I think TikTok just knows. Yeah, and they won't even tell you like which video it was or what you did wrong. They just shut the whole thing down. I'm like, oh, like no, you're not gonna tell me what I did wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no appeal. There's just nothing. You break the guidelines and they're just done. So yeah. Like, there's no way yeah. to really. I I know that people have gotten their pages back, but I, I appealed when I had my old account taken down. I appealed so many times and every time they just got back to me saying, you know, nope, we can't give it back to you. Like, don't don't even try. So, <laughs> yeah, that was the email I got. Like, you, you cannot appeal this. You broke the guidelines. There are no appeals. I'm like, oh, well, like, where's the next button? Like, there's no other buttons. Okay. <laughs> now. Um, so I'd like to kind of take a, a step back for a moment for the listeners to kind of get an idea of who Ashley Roberts really is before diving into the rest of the podcast. Um, because I know that you have been on the you were on the cover of Penthouse, right? Yeah, it was cover in Centerfold December 2004. It was like 100 years ago. Wow, <laughs> that is so awesome. Uh, have you had other publications since then? Um, Not recently, like since I've had all the tattoos, all my magazines, I did like Penthouse, I had one picture in Playboy, a bunch of different editions of like Club and High Society and Gallery and just all those, you know, smut magazines. Hustler. Sweet. 
and fully out and hustler, just like all that stuff a long time ago, mostly adult stuff. Um, I always just kind of, as I get more tattoos, I'm like, I just need a couple more. And then I want to do like a tattoo magazine. Oh, I just need a couple more. Oh, I just need like one more. And this has been going on for many years now. So I'm like, maybe I'm at the point to where I actually want to start submitting to the tattoo magazines just for fun. They don't really pay. So it's, you know, and I just always feel like, oh, I just need a little bit more, but I haven't really done any big publications lately or anything like that. Yeah, I haven't done any big publications lately either. I, I was in Penthouse, Australia in like 2016, which was pretty cool. But honestly, I don't think that I did much for my career. It was like neat that I could post about it, but I wasn't on the cover or anything. So it didn't didn't do that much for me. It was just like a a bragging I feel like right. people don't even care about magazines anymore. It's all about the social media stuff. Yeah, it's how many followers do you have and what? Yeah, I'm, like, I'm so old. I really like having like you know a whole bunch of containers full of like the paper magazines. Like <laughs> I'm gonna have them, so I'm always gonna keep that stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I was in a bunch of those print to order magazines, like Models View and like. You tell Sun- me you save those, and I'm not the only one. Yeah, yeah, I, I saved. <laughs> And usually the they would just send me a free copy if I was like published in it. So I've got a little stack of them in storage. So it's neat. No, when I was like 18, 19, shooting the majority of that stuff, a lot of those ones wouldn't send you a copy. So whatever photographer shot it would, you know, because they'd just pay you for the day. And they would eventually, you know, if you were friends with them or kept in touch, they would usually just tell you, hey, your issue's coming out or our set's coming out in this issue in this month. And I'd just have to go down to the adult store oh. and look for it. So the majority of them I actually bought. I think that's kind of weird. (laughs) They were like on the shelf. That's cool. Yeah. So that was kind of cool about it, too. But it's just funny. Like most of them, they didn't get sent to me. I had to like go be the perv and run down to the sex shop. (laughs) Just an excuse to go look around and pick something up. Uh, so back in 2004, when you got your penthouse publication, what was that shoot like? Like, how did you get that that shoot offered to you? And how was it? I had been shooting with, um, I just shot with one guy and he was like really nice and young and he was like, Hey, I'll go down with you to LA and help you like find an agent or something like that. You know, just make sure that you don't meet anybody weird. So we went down and the first guy I met, he was definitely weird. Um, we're not supposed to say names, <laughs> but he signed me up right away and he was just a really good agent. All his, all his girls were like in penthouse and playboy editions and all that kind of stuff. So as soon as I started shooting from him, day one was like, just kind of well-known photographers that were shooting for the magazines already. So um, one of the first few I shot with was like, Oh, Hey, you know, um, is it okay if I submit you to penthouse? And I was like, yeah, of course. And right away we got the okay. And the old owner that started penthouse, he had still owned it at the time, Robert Guccione. He uh, was really excited about my layout and my look for a, like, a you know, the December issue for that year. And he, he's he was an artist so he mailed out like a whole bunch of his big paintings like giant paintings and we made like a fake gallery and i was sitting in the gallery with like lo- you know nude looking at his paintings and stuff so that's kind of a cool it was just kind of a cool idea for that for those sets and that robert guccione was because i was the last pet under his ownership so he wanted oh. to have like his artwork in the pictures and stuff so that's cool um We shot there. It was like a three day thing. They paid real well. I had like great hair and makeup every day. And, um, so it was one day is like that fake studio thing. Another day was like at this like outdoor ranch in the Malibu Hills. Those came out really cool. And then just like another, um, like 
like a location day, but it was three days all together. And it was just a good experience that that photographer was actually nice. His wife was his assistant. So she was like helping me do the poses really good. And I already had that makeup lady so many times for other magazines that I just really liked her and she, everybody just did a good job and it was just an easy day, easy couple of days. That sounds so cool. That's, that sounds like the most positive experience that it could have been. Yeah. That's, that's when they, you know, used to kind of have big budgets and go all out and, you know, just kind of focus on making you look your best for three days. I'm like, thank you people. (laughs) Sounds like fun. Yeah, it was. We're going to switch the the polls now, and I'm going to introduce the photo shoot fail of the week. And I know that you've got one in the can ready to describe. So describe a time that you had a shoot that was totally fucked up, either because the photographer was fucked up or like the scenario itself was just crazy. Like, what is your photo shoot fail story? <laughs> Okay, so I had just been doing like a lot of stills for a lot of years, maybe a little bit of teaser videos. And then I was like, well, I'm going to take the leap and do like more like hardcore girl, girl stuff. So it was only like my second like hardcore girl, girl shoot. And I go and it was like with six of us girls. So it was just a lot of girls. And I, I don't know, not like really being a germaphobe, but it was just it was just a lot. And we were all having to do, you know, pretty explicit stuff. Whoa. The girls were nice, but it was just, I, I just didn't know any of them. And I wasn't used to like shooting that kind of hardcore content or being on video where there's, you know, it's not really simulated and you're actually, actually doing a lot. But anyways, it didn't really go so well for me because I think it was like the third girl that I was messing around with. They, we got to pick our own toys, but she used this, um, like those jelly toys, the ones that are like really bendy. And it was, it was like those ones that have the really strong chemicals. Oh. I don't know what's in them, but the bendy ones, they are not compatible with my body. Like she started rubbing that toy all over me and put it inside. And I just like instantly was like on fire. My whole pussy was on fire. I thought I was going to die. I just like run up and jump and like go into the bathroom. And I was like putting like cold water bottle on it. And like nothing was making it feel better. It was such a nightmare. So now when I go to the sex shop and I see those toys, like that are like, like the flexible kind, I always oh. put like the package and like smell it. And I'm like, I can smell chemicals. And I'm just like terrified of them. Yeah. Like, That's not going to go well. <laughs> Keep that away from me. <laughs> so did you have to like stop doing the scene like altogether after that? Yeah, I, I, I was like messed up after that. I, I couldn't get back to normal. Um, I think I like, you know, did some like kissing stuff and stuff like that after, but there was like no more toy action for me, no more nothing because after I got to feel a little bit better, it still did not feel right for like the rest of the day. Oh. It was just like the <laughs> lesson learned the hard way. <laughs> did the people filming the production, were they, uh, empathetic towards your situation? Yeah, they, they seem to like, you know, they didn't think I was crazy. This has had, had happened to other people before. They were the ones telling me to try to use the cold water. Um, but they did kind of think that I was being a big baby as far as like not being able to get back to it, like after and oh. having to kind of modify things. I mean, they, so they were empathetic at the beginning, but then they like magically expected me to recover faster than I, my body was wanting to. So they seemed cool about it at first and understanding, Oh, this happens, you know, that's not normal, but you know, this does have, we've seen this happen and we're sorry, you know, Oh, but <laughs> like, okay, let's get back to it. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not ready. Oh man. I wonder if the, like the substance that was on it that you were allergic to, maybe they 
hopefully in the future we're able to figure out what that was and then ask people if they had they just had like they were they were in the packaging still we all got to pick our own out they had like you know there's like those big plastic totes like full of them so i think it's just a matter of me knowing not to pick that kind ever again (laughs) okay they were just like here you have to use this everybody got to pick stuff that they wanted i just didn't know I didn't know that those were so bad. Oh, yeah. I guess you learned the hard way. That sucks. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. Wow. Well, that's definitely the craziest um, photo shoot fail of the week story I think that we've had on the show so far. That's the best so far? Okay. I'm proud of that or not, but thank you. (laughs) I, I suppose maybe from my perspective it is because... It, it, it was traumatic. I told you, even now, like, you know, how many years later, 15 years later, I'll, I'll go to the sex shop and I'm still looking at those things. Like, I got to smell it first. <laughs> it smells like chemicals. I can't do it. Yeah. It, it almost, after being a freelance model for so long, the creepy, weird photographer that's trying to push your limits in some weird scenario, that almost seems like passe now. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Well, I could have done one of those, but no, these people were nice. I just, you know. It had a really bad allergic reaction. You'll have to see if this has happened to other models. I'm curious because yeah. they said that they happened before. <laughs> I can't be the only sensitive weirdo. <laughs> no, I, I have heard of uh, allergic reaction issues from other models doing explicit work like that too. I said, I suppose you're you're the third person that I've interviewed so far, so I haven't had that many stories on the show yet, but. I just meant like the personal girl talking and you're talking to like you're shooting with all these different girls all the time. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to hear your next podcast. That's why I was I was like, oh, she's inviting me to it. Thank you. But I'm like, I want to hear the other ones. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I think one uh, my second episode just released this morning and I'm going to start releasing them every Thursday morning. Oh, cool. Yeah. I would rather listen to that than some of the other stuff out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, thank you. And share it with your friends. <laughs> I will. I will. And so so that shoot happened. Was that like um, earlier in your modeling career also? Um, I started when I was like 18 and then that was kind of more. I was about 21. OK. Is when I started trying to do the more like hardcore stuff. And that was through the agency also? No, that was like, I had already kind of taken like a little break. I had had, I ended up having a, uh, my son when I was 20 and I took like a small break. And then when I came back, I was just, to be honest, I just wanted to get a bunch of work so I could buy fake tits. So I was like, oh, I'll do some hardcore girl, this girl, girl, I'll do this. I'll do that. <laughs> just kind of, um, yeah. And so you've done a bunch of the erotic and hardcore stuff over the course of your career. And now are you running your own OnlyFans or you have like a management company for that? Um, I started mine and I was just kind of doing it like part time and not really giving it enough attention. And um, I think this year I just I really want to be working on it more and try to gain some momentum with it. So I'm, I'm looking for a management company. It's just so hard to tell like who's reliable and legitimate and willing to take me, even though I, I still kind of have like the smaller social media numbers. Yeah. What I've heard about management companies in general is that they'll take a high percentage and they don't necessarily um, deliver the services to the highest quality, depending on how well they think they're going to profit off of your content. 
And that that's just what I've heard from other people that use OnlyFans. Yeah, management. what I was told in some of the um, phone calls I've had so far is they take like 50%. And I'm like, how do I know that they're going to do what they say they're going to do? Yeah, I have a good friend who has a management. She has a, she has a lot of followers, but her management company takes a lot of percentage. And so she'll bust her ass and work really hard. And yeah, they're scheduling the content and, and uh, chatting with the subscribers and stuff so that she can just focus on creating the content and then sending it to them. But she still does like not make the profit that she could make it. I guess it's a give and take, like how, how much could you be making if you're doing all the work yourself versus uh, if management companies taking over. I'm just having a hard time with the advertising. So that's why I feel like I need somebody to help with that. I, I like chatting with the people and yeah. the posts aren't, aren't hard to put up. I don't think that's the hard part. I think the hard part is the, getting the traffic and um, mm-hmm. knowing like where and what to post on the social medias to, to get that traction. Have you considered working with an assistant instead of a management company? Um, I liked that idea because I heard that you had had like a little bit, you know, you have somebody else help with the pictures or this and that. And I, it sounds like a good idea. I just, you said that they're kind of hard to get ones that. Yeah, um, I have worked with various assistants over the last few years. The first one that I hired was the best and he worked for me for like a year and a half and he would uh, schedule posts and write captions for those posts on my behalf. And he would respond to messages on Twitter and make posts on Twitter and Patreon and OnlyFans for me. And he was the best. He was the most reliable and um, he he'd had the highest quality as far as like figuring out the kind of wording that I already was using on my social media and kind of copying the sort of things that I would say personality wise when he was creating posts for me. And he was always on top of it. And anything that I corrected him on, he would like absorb that and like modify the way he worked. And the other assistants that I've hired in the recent past have uh, worked for me for a while. And then they just kind of lost steam and told me that they didn't have enough time. So it's it's hard to find somebody who has enough time to dedicate to you that's going to do the work that you want them to do the way you want them to do it. But when you find a good assistant, it's really nice. I would love to just have somebody that would just be focusing on like the traffic. Yeah. Yeah. That's valuable. Like Reddit is also a a great place to drive traffic from. Yeah. I joined on there and I I started trying and I just stopped giving it any attention because it kept saying that it needed more time for all the different groups. And I was like, okay, well, I'll give it some time. But yeah, now I, I know that when your karma goes down, so I'm like, ah, I got to get back on there. So it's like some days I'm like, maybe I should just keep trying to do it all on my own. But for a while I did and it it wasn't working very well. It's like, I need, I need professional help. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I could give you some pointers like after the chat about finding a, how to find a good assistant for you. And in what I've done in the past is use Telegram where there's a lot of people who do that kind of assisting work that are posting, looking for more clients that need assisting work. Um, some assistants take like a percentage of what you're making and some of them take an hourly rate and you can just kind of negotiate. Like the first assistant that I had, I paid him uh, $18 an hour and then I eventually gave him a raise to $20 an hour. He was working between 10 to 15 hours a week for me. And so he was doing a lot of work and it was really helpful. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to ask you more about that when we're done with this because the whole 50% and like, I don't even know if the management company that I get set up with will, like, are they even going to do what they say? And then sometimes you got to do a contract and I'm just really nervous just because I'm not doing well by myself. So yeah. we'll talk about it later. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Okay, now I'm going to bring up another segment of the podcast that I like to regularly yes. do. And this one is called the Rising Phoenix Part of Your Life. Can you describe something that's happened to you in your life where you were being faced by some kind of challenge or controversy or even something that you're facing today that you are looking at being challenged by or in your past? What's something that you had to overcome and how was that for you? Well, I had just started kind of telling you about how I was saving up to get my first set of implants. The, The biggest story, you know, part of my career wise of why I've really slowed down, I think is that I actually ended up getting my implants, breast implants removed four years ago. And I think that changed a lot of things because, you know, the typical look, especially I live here in Vegas, like everybody wants like the models with the big boobs, like most castings are going to say like C cup and above or even D cup and above or, you know, all these kind of things. So I was having a lot of health problems in general. I didn't know if they were coming from my implants, but I knew that there was like a lot of toxic chemicals in them. And I just didn't really like the way they looked because I was so sick and I was so thin. The implants just looked like really big and weird. And anyways, I just didn't want them anymore. I didn't feel like they were healthy. So I was kind of thinking that if I got them taken out, like that was going to be like the end of my modeling career because I'd always done nudes and stuff like that. And you just, it's, you know, most people are pretty focused on big titties. So I was like, oh, well that's probably going to be the end of that. So after I got them out, they ended up healing pretty good and deciding that I still wanted to do like nude modeling and stuff. And I was like, well, I don't really like these scars. I had some scars underneath. So I got like a tattoo over that. And uh, I started talking to photographers that I'd already shot with and people that I hadn't. And, you know, just kind of explained to them my story that I had like a little bit of scars and that I was kind of uncomfortable, but I, you know, still was thinking about modeling. I was like, you know, you can't hide. You can still, you know, I still want to shoot you. And other people were like, I still want to shoot. And there was just still so much interest. There was a lot of curiosity, but still people wanted to shoot. So I really didn't take very much of a break. Something I thought that maybe I would be done really wasn't even much of a break. It was like right after I was healed, I just kind of got right back to it. And I'm really thankful I didn't give up on that. And yeah. I've had a lot of women kind of reach out and just be like, you know, Thank you for, you know, rocking the small boobs and being honest about your story. And I I have so many women in my inbox that are like just writing me nice things and telling me that I'm like sexy and like almost like this weird role model for older women. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this is cool. Or, you know, a lot of women that have questions about wanting to get theirs removed, like total strangers. They're always just like reaching out with questions and I'm always there to answer. <laughs> how How old were you when you got them? I was 20 when I got them. And you said your first set, did you get like a various changes? Oh, yes. So the first time I got saline and they just weren't very soft and I was thin and you could kind of like see, see them more. So I was like, well, I'll get silicone and they'll be like softer and I'll like them more. So I got the second set, the silicone and they looked pretty good for a while. But um, one was like a little bit higher. So I had a third surgery to like even them out. And then after a while, so I'd already had those three surgeries. One was 
I was just having a lot of problems with it. And I was having like an immune reaction where it was like building a capsule around it and squeezing it and making it like a weird shape. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to keep fixing them. I'm just not going to keep fixing them. I was like, number the surgery number four is like, I'm done. I'm like just a hundred percent done. So that's what I did. And I mean, I miss having the big ones, but I just, I'm so happy to not be dealing with that anymore. Wow. Yeah. Was it uncomfortable? Yeah, it was totally uncomfortable that, that the last time before I got them done, that like capsule that was developing was just like when you try to squeeze it in a bra, like you could just feel it and I could see it. It was like taking on a weird shape and, um, it was just, they were so heavy. I'm just like kind of a small person. I only weigh like a hundred pounds. So like having these big double D boobs was just, I could feel like I was carrying something around all the time. Like they didn't really feel like they were a part of me. Did you start off getting them double D's or did they get bigger as you progressed with them? They were, they were a regular, they were like a D the first time and then like a double D the second time. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then what, yeah. what are the size of your original boobs? Oh, like when I did penthouse and all that, I was still natural and I was a natural C and everyone was like, those look fake. Cause I was thin and I had like these big C boobs and I was like, loved my big natural titties. And I was like, Oh, I'd never get fake boobs. But then after I had my son, they got really small and I was like, Oh my God, I need fake boobs so bad. <laughs> oh, that's interesting that they got smaller after your pregnancy. You know, everyone's like, oh, you have a baby, your boobs get bigger. I'm like, not me. Mine like deflated. I was like, what is this nightmare? <laughs> Did they get bigger and then get smaller? Yes, 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 okay. definitely. They were like huge and then I lost the weight and I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> so good. Oh, yeah. I guess, I mean, that would be a sensible move if you wanted to kind of go back to your previous look. After yeah, I just did. wanted to stay in the business. I really liked the whole modeling thing. I was still really young. I was only 20. I was just about to turn 21 and I lived in Las Vegas. So I was like, oh, I want to start dancing. Like I need big, big boobs. And that's when that nightmare started. <laughs> Whoa. And, and was it always bad or you're struggling with it kind of the entire time or? Um, they were always okay when they were new, you know, for like the first couple of years. It was like a, what, like 13 year process somewhere wow. around there. But yeah, so the first couple of years they'd be okay after surgery and then they would go downhill and then I'd get another fix it surgery and they'd be great. And then they'd start going downhill again. And I was like, I can't keep playing this roller coaster. Like, I just want to be done. And does insurance help with any of those modifications? Or- oh, oh it's like $30,000 wasted. Oh, man. That's like a, a lot of fun vacations or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's why you're tired of talking about girls. I'm like, it's not. If you're thinking about how expensive it is to get that first set, you have to keep in mind that any surgery after that is considered reconstructive. So if you think, you know, to spend $5,000 to get your first set is a lot. Well, when you need to go get them fixed in five, 10 years, it's going to be more like $10,000. And after that, you don't get to keep them your whole life. They need to be swapped out like every about 15 or less years. And sometimes they don't even make it that, that, that long. Yeah. So you're just constantly having to revisit this problem or leave them in there. And they're like, having all kinds of problems inside like deflating or turning into soup and oh i don't know it's just not (laughs) they can turn into like a soup yeah they they disintegrate they break down in your body and they can release chemicals inside of you like it's it's not like a harmless procedure that some people think it is oh that sounds terrible i thought so 
I, I have heard that there are people whose implants reject and that they have serious problems and even sometimes life threatening problems. Oh yeah. I don't, I just don't think it's worth it. Like, I don't know. Butts are more worth it. Just go to the gym and work on your ass instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, but then there's people that get their butt implants also. Well, they can have the same kind of problems. Actually, yeah. that's not, they, they probably even have more problems. It's, it's a much um, harder thing to recover from. And I don't even think people are really doing that as much anymore. They're just doing like the fat injections. Oh, right. But that's really risky too. We, <laughs> nothing, not, none of these surgeries come without risk. Yeah. Have you considered other surgeries? Um, I really, honestly, I know I should say that, you know, you're just supposed to love yourself, blah, blah, blah. But I really do think that whole fat transfer is pretty cool. Like if you could just like take fat out of like some part of your leg or your stomach and make your boobs bigger, that sounds pretty magical, but <laughs> I guess there's a lot of risk with that. And I have like zero fat. So it's not even really something that I can. You don't have anywhere to take it from to put it. <laughs> no, I really don't. So I'll just have to stop fantasizing about that. <laughs> And you have a pretty strong workout routine. I do like working out. It's kind of like, you know, more for fun and just trying to stay in shape. I had I used to do it a lot. And, and then I ended up getting so sick that I was afraid to be working out because I didn't want to burn calories. And I just started like wasting away to nothing. And just this last year, I'm like, I, I got to get back to doing something because I'm I'm disintegrating. I have like no muscles, no strength. I just don't want to be like that decrepit old lady. So I've just been like working out, getting stronger, gaining a little bit of weight, feeling a lot better. That's good. That's positive. Yeah. Yes, I need that. <laughs> and I remember a little bit ago you mentioned that after you got your boobs taken out, that you thought it was going to be the end of your modeling because in Las Vegas, a lot of photographers want those big boobies and then a lot of people I'm surprised that people still want to be shooting I'm like this little tiny a cup and people are like no it's hot (laughs) like okay (laughs) thank you I have heard from a lot of photographers that they do like natural boobs and like small boobs and there's a lot of photographers like natural but like good size and really nice shape I think that that's like that should be the way to go um I just thought it was funny when you posted that one video. I think it was a TikTok. Uh-huh. Like, oh no, what did he do? That one guy that photoshopped your boob. Oh my thing. god! Yeah, he photoshopped them <laughs> to be like a D or something, and they looked really. He like photoshopped fake boobs onto my body, and it just looked really <laughs> weird. <laughs> I just love that you, your imagination makes those funny videos because I'm always laughing. <laughs> like, how long later I'm still thinking of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And I actually have like um something to relate with you on as far as when you got your boobs taken out, you thought that people weren't going to want to shoot you anymore because uh, I don't know if you saw my recent pictures, but I just shaved my head. And I was oh, I totally <laughs> forgot about that. You just have like the prettiest face. You can fucking pull off anything. You're so lucky. <laughs> Thank you. I, I actually was worried because I had a lot of photographers who've already sent me deposits to work with me later in the year. And I, had- I could imagine them being like, you know, some being totally cool and some being like deal breaker. So far, everybody is totally cool with shooting me either with a shaved head or mixing it up with various wigs that I've been playing with. But mo- more people have said that they want to shoot me with the short hair than with a wig. 
So that's nice. Yeah, so it's different. You don't see it kind of, you know, has like just like that really like free spirit look to it. And it's just something more unique because yeah. everybody has the long hair and the extensions and the big, you know, hairdos for their photo shoots. So to just have something, you know, when you're doing the nude skin without clothing and then you have like, you know, not the hair covering all of your face and ears. It's just kind of showing more of your shape. So yeah. Sexy. yeah and there are like, I guess more fine art type concepts kind of lend themselves to more unique looks, which is kind of what I'm hoping to drive more into. Cause the, with the glamour long, like curly, wavy, bushy hair is like the look. And, and with you having the bigger boobs, like before your child and then having the implants after your child, you pretty much had bigger boobs for almost your entire life. So your identity. No, seriously. It was like an identity thing, you know, I had had big boobs since I was like 12. So, and my doctor had told me when I got those implants out, just because I was so thin and I had lost so much tissue, he's like, you're barely going to be an A cup. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, that sounds kind of sad. And I had a really, you know, it took me time to save up money for the surgery. It was like $8,000. It was, it was a a healing time in my mind where I had to really tell myself that I was going to be okay with that because it was a really big change. So I kind of dealt with it a lot internally before I actually did the surgery. I had I had quite a few months to like think about it and get ready, get ready like emotionally and stuff. And, you know, I've, I've really found my power in that. And I was doing really well. The funny part or weird part was just I had so many friends that were like, especially female friends that were like feeling sorry for me or like acting like I had cancer or like thinking that I was getting like my breasts removed. And it's like, please don't think about it like that. Uh-huh. This is something I've been wanting to do. I'm excited to get these things out. I'm taking the trash out. I'm taking out something that's not mine that I don't want inside of me. Like, please don't feel sorry for me. This is something that I want. So it was, it was, it was a lot of head games with myself, but hmm. in the end, um, I'm still happy that I did it. I'm just, I'm hoping with a little bit of weight gain, they'll come back a little bit. (laughs) Some of those other friends that were kind of feeling sorry for you, do any of them also have breast implants or big boobs too? Yeah, a lot of them. So their identity is tied to that appearance. Yeah, they kind of were maybe feeling empathetic or, you know, scared of how they would feel if it was them type of thing. I actually have one friend that's having a lot of problems with hers and she just got a recall on hers. What? And she. She's already, she's had one deflation, then, you know, had had her first set, had a deflation, had to get a second set. Then that second set, they just had a recall on like almost a year ago now. Cause she hasn't made up her mind what to do. She wants to completely just get rid of them and be done with this back and forth and get explant like me or try another set again, which would be number three. It's a hard decision to make. Yeah. Yeah, but she says if it wasn't for me, she wouldn't even really have considered taking them out. But since she's seen me go through all that and been okay, she's like, I don't know if I want to keep doing the in and out and in and out. So but she hasn't quite made the decision yet. So, yeah, I think everybody's all over the place. But I've had a lot of friends that were kind of thinking that they wanted them and had been putting it off or saving up or whatnot. And then after my big ordeal being like, I don't even want to deal with it after hearing your story. I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Glad I could save you from all of that. You know, but I, then I'm still I'm not 100% against it. You know, I see girls on TV or young women and I, they first get, you know, maybe moms that have their boobs trashed with kids. They get that new set and they just have so much confidence after and they're so happy. Like, I wouldn't want to take that away from anybody, but 
you know, in the back of my head, I'm always like, gosh, I hope they don't have to have, you know, have a bunch of problems because yeah. that happens. <laughs> yeah. I'm, as long as they're aware of what the potential negative side effects could be, you know, it's an informed That's decision. I don't feel like they really are. But then I know how desperate we are when we want those things that even if somebody told you all the risks, you probably maybe still want to do it. But I don't know that they're really all that open with yeah. Everything that goes wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's, true. that's definitely true. Did you see a, a couple of years ago, there was a Playboy cover model who's an African-American lady. And this was right after Hugh Hefner passed. I think he passed recently or he, he quit being the the main no, guy. Uh, and Playboy has been taken over with a different vibe now. And uh, one of their cover models with their new vibe was an African-American gal who had saggy boobies. And she, like, announced them and was talking about it on her social media. And it was, like, a huge deal. And I was like, heck, yeah, that's that's kick-ass. I got to – I'll find her name. Uh, maybe I, can- I thought you were going to talk about the Crystal Hefner story. His last wife, right after he died – it was right around the time I did my implants, either like right before or right after when I got mine out. Right after he died, she was his last wife. She got hers removed. That's, that's huge for the Playboy brand, you know? Like, he's gone. His wife gets rid of the big fake boobs. <laughs> and she she was, she was got a lot of um, publicity for that. That was kind of a big deal. Was, I think it might have almost been right before because I remember seeing pictures of her in a bikini. And I was like, God, she looks really good. She didn't look terrible. She didn't look like she was missing something. She looked almost younger and lighter. It looked nice. I was like, ooh, I can't wait to do that. I think she might have done it right before, but I thought that's what you were going to say. I started talking about the Playboy thing and Hugh Hefner. Yeah. And I guess Playboy kind of has been the fuel for people getting implants. It's been a big contributor of the reason why people oh, want them. Oh, yeah, because that's their inspiration or that's what they think, you know, that's what women think that the women or men are looking at and liking. So they want to emulate that. Or it's, I think that's always been a thing. Yeah. I wonder if um, glamour magazines like Playboy never existed, if anybody would have gotten implants in the first place. It's definitely something that gives people that idea that, you know, that's how they want to look. Yeah, because you're comparing yourself to other people in images. It's a curious thing to think about. Were people getting implants before Playboy came out? I think that was like all around the same time because like my mom and my aunt both had them. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like Playboy's been around forever. <laughs> and they were always filling out those costumes just right. Yeah. They, Playboy started in, I believe, the 50s, right? The late 50s. That's really I need a history lesson. People listening to this are going to be DMing me <laughs> like brush up on your history, Christy. <laughs> you need to know all your smut numbers. Hurry yeah. up. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know how old um, Hugh Hefner's last wife was when she got her implants removed? Um, she was like young and hot, like you know, still like thirties. Yeah. Okay. I guess Hugh Hefner kind of had that thing where he would only date younger. Yeah, children. they weren't. They they weren't too far out of their twenties. She was. She'd been around a while though. That's why I was thinking maybe she was like between like thirty and thirty-five. Okay crystal chick she was she was i think towards the end she was like the only one married to him it was like right after he had like those three girlfriends that were really popular on tv and stuff yeah and he had this crystal chick hmm interesting there's a lot of controversy about hugh hefner especially right after he died 
and all the stuff that used to go on there. <laughs> the, yeah. The, the Playboy Playmates and stuff. Yeah. I, I find all those stories pretty interesting. No, I was all wanting to complain about it. It's like, but you were living there. You liked something about it. <laughs> yeah. You said you had a photo published in Playboy. Yeah. Um, you, do you remember what the grapevine is in the back of Playboy? Those like two pages. Oh yeah. I was in the grapevine like, um, on one page, it was like a third of the third of the page. It was like a big picture of me. I was only like 19. Oh, cute. It was a cute picture. And um, was that like February, February 04 or 05? It has, it's the, I'm trying to think of the chick on the cover was from the Meet the Flockers movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't like that was so long ago, before social media was really a thing. Oh, yeah, I thought that was such a big deal. I was excited about it. Yeah, so when you when you were doing those publications back then in 2004-ish, did those publications help you get more paying work? Um, I think back then it was just having that good agent and all his clients were just like, you know, doing good projects. Like he was either the websites that were hiring, um, that were just like the big websites like Danny.com and all of those. Do you know what I'm talking about? I haven't heard of Danny.com. It was just like those kind of things where like everything that he was sending us to was like popular things where people were going to see you and like you, like back then when I was real young and, you know, had that all natural body and the little girl next door type look I, I was working all the time and I was living in LA. So that was, I think that's what kind of, you know, m- made me more popular back then was just being on all the popular things at that time. So then now I don't really do anything. and I look so different. I don't look anything like that. I don't think people would even know that I was the same person. Wow. Just because of like the darker hair and the skinny body and a whole bunch of tattoos. I think I look like a totally different person. That's interesting. I mean, you've kind of, I suppose, rebranded your look over the years. I always liked tattoos and stuff, but when I was younger, and especially doing that kind of stuff back then, I know a lot of like the porn chicks have tattoos now, but back then, they didn't want you to have any, even the little tiny one I had on my ankle, they would always like Photoshop it out, or if I was doing video stuff, they would put makeup on it. It's kind of funny. <laughs> hmm. have, have you had a lot of people give you negative remarks about tattoos? Oh, yeah. Uh, so many. Always saying stuff like, you know, why would you do that to yourself? Oh, you ruined your body, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I have the one on my lower back and then I have a tiny one behind my ear that I guess nobody really saw until I shaved my head. But I'll get people. Oh, you probably forgot about it almost. <laughs> yeah. I knew it was there. I just, I never really wore earrings when I had longer hair because you could never see it. And now I'm like, oh, I need to buy some earrings. But with the having just like a small amount of tattoos, people will inbox me saying oh i'm so happy that you didn't destroy your body with tattoos and i'm like well actually you didn't look at my photos enough because i have tattoos you just haven't no, seen I was trying to compliment you for being not tattooed you're yeah. like sorry it's <laughs> it's a, burst your bubble. It, it, it feels like a like a prejudice thing like i feel like there's a lot of boomers who like grew up in the 50s and 60s where they associate tattoos with like yeah they're violence. like oh you look like you just got out of prison i'm like no i don't i have a bunch of pictures of like flowers <laughs> yeah yeah this is something you would get in prison yeah hopefully all those boomers just die out over the next few years so we don't have to deal with their prejudice bullshit 
<laughs> I don't, I, I, I think that they're just a joke now. Like people can't even take their insults seriously. It's like, okay, you can think what you want to old people. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of photographers that I've worked with over the years are like older white dude, boomer guys who have those like weird, like beliefs about tattoos. We all see the castings. They'll say like no tattoos or, you know, all apply to certain things. They'll be like, Oh, you'd be really cute or perfect if you didn't have all those tattoos, something like that. I'm like, that's fine, whatever. And then you have some that are just like, you know, maybe they wouldn't have picked me because of the smaller boobs or something like that. But there's something about the tattoos that makes it more interesting. And so they're like, Oh, I totally picked you because of the tattoos. I'm like, Oh, well, thanks. You know, it's very hit or miss. Some people love them and some people hate them and that's okay. Yeah, I guess. I I feel like it's just a closed minded thing because some of my favorite like fine art photos are of models that have a lot of tattoos, but a lot of fine art photographers are like super against tattoos. Like, Oh, (laughs) I don't want to shoot some tattoo artists art. I want to make my own art. I'm like, I think you're missing. I've heard some of them say, Oh, I can't shoot you unless I get, I have to have, release art 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 releases from your tattoo artist and i'm like if i asked my tattoo artist for that he would laugh at me <laughs> like what the fuck has That's any so has any tattoo artist ever sued a photographer for photographing and publishing photos like, i've no. never heard of that but i've heard so many photographers hint at something along those lines and it's like that's not like what are you talking about don't flatter yourself like, they don't care i i have no. heard that once before and i just kind of laughed at the photographer i'm like well i've been modeling for this many years and nobody has ever given me a problem about the the copyright of the <laughs> honestly the, the one that's, the one that i have on my lower back i designed it and then i just hired a tattoo artist to to tattoo it on me it wasn't even his design it was my design Oh, so you're, you're, you're totally covered. That's your artwork. They can't throw that excuse at you at all. That's kind of funny. I, I forget that you designed that one. That's awesome. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, thank you. But I don't, I don't you know. You have one removed too, right? Oh my God. Yeah. Have you ever had one removed? I'm working. Well, I had my eyebrows tattooed and they were too high and crooked and it took me like a year and a half to do the laser on those and that hurt so bad every time and it was on my face and then after you're swollen for like a day so I get like this giant forehead I'm like lesson learned again the hard way so yeah I've had my um eyebrow tattoos removed and and that wasn't permanent makeup by the way that was a real tattoo um and then I'm also I'm getting like an ex's name off of my ankle that is very slow to remove how many treatments did you have you can do like at least 10. Um, I think I had 13 and I was supposed to do 14, but then the pandemic started and the, the business that was doing them shut down. And I was like, honestly, you can't really see it anymore. I don't want another like $700 laser tattoo removal session that's going to hurt like shit and then barely make a difference. Well, if you want to zap it again while you're in Vegas, my guy only charges like 40 bucks. So. I think because the size of the one that I got removed, it was like like eight inches tall and six inches wide or something like that. He probably charged you like 60. But yeah, I didn't even notice it when we shot. I thought you were 100 percent done with it. Yeah, you can't see it unless you can see it sometimes if the lighting is hitting it at an angle. And there there are like textures from the skin because I had scarring when mine was removed. So, so there is a little bit of texture to the removal area, but the color of it is the same color as my skin. Mine's getting a lot lighter. The one on my ankle, it's just, um, I just went and got it zapped yesterday. Actually, it's just, it's still raised today from where they zapped it. It's like all bumpy and weird. I think I probably, 
he said I need about four or five more. Mm. Did your uh, eyebrows, when you were getting them, the laser removal, did they ever blister? No, she was doing the settings really low because it was my fucking face. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't care how slow we have to do this. I don't, I'm really scared of scarring. The area has already been like, you know, worked on so much. So she was just really gentle with it. Um, I did get some like little like red spots that were really worrisome to me. And she was like, it's okay. It's okay. It was, this was a different laser person that I was going to before for my face. And, um, do you know what I'm talking about? They call them like cherry spots where it's just like really, it's almost like a freckle, but it's red type of thing. Um, I don't know if I had those. I know that I had some serious giant blisters all over my rib cage from my laser sessions and it was, ugh, it was so painful. Like the rib cage. That sounds terrible. That's a burn. If it blisters, that means they burned you. That's oh, scary yeah. to me. Oh yeah. They burned the shit out of me each time. <laughs> No, I just started going to this new guy that's cheaper and he was like, we're going to bump it up real high. I was like, is there a chance it'll blister? He's like, maybe a little bit. It's not bad. I was like, then turn it down. I don't want to blister at all. I'd rather come back more than I need to. You know, it's, he doesn't charge a super lot. I was like, I don't want scarring. I want to get a tattoo over this, the one on my ankle when it's done. So it's like the least amount of scarring possible. If I throw a tattoo over it, Mm -hmm. we can just pretend like it didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully. I, that's part of the reason why I never wanted to get any words tattooed to me because I felt like I might change my mind about it, like a person's name or, or something. Yeah, definitely. I have my mom's name. I, I know I won't change my, my mind on that. Oh, but yeah. That, I don't really even like the way it looks. Like, I don't want any writing on my body at all. I guess I, I got like, the, the one on my rib cage. The reason I got it removed is because... I uh, fell out of love with the moral of the story for the original reason why I got the tattoo. And then after I decided I didn't believe in the moral of the story of the tattoo, then the tattoo itself became kind of an eyesore to me. And I was I actually posed to the left for like most of my modeling career. And I almost never posed with my my right side of my rib cage to the camera because just to hide it. Yeah, the other side of my body was clean, and if you if you're not photographing my butt, then the rest of me looks like I have no tattoos. And so I was just trying to pose with my clean side of the camera because the one on my rib cage was it just became in the way to me. And I distracting. I, kind of. I I thought about getting it removed for so long before I finally decided to do it because I was thinking, oh, I won't be modeling for that much longer. You know, I, at the time I was like 26, 27, 28. And you're like, like, oh, I'm so old. And then like another 10 years goes by and you're like, oh, I'm still at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I started getting it removed. I was old when I was 26. I'm like, damn, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I started getting it removed, I think, when I was like 30 or 31. And it took a little over two years. Yeah, it's not a slow process. I mean, I'll, not, a, not a, a quick one. I've, I'm thinking after maybe like four or five, I want to get like a black widow over this. Cool. <laughs> but I used to only have tattoos mostly on one side of my body. And then last year I did my right arm and my right leg and a bunch of stuff on the right side of my back. But before that, I'd had all the tattoos on one arm and one leg and mostly one side of my back. So when I was standing one way, it was like super inked. If I turned the other way, it was like I barely had anything. And like one kiss mark on my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Cute. And I'm like, I was like, I just want to feel balanced. Like, like how you said you were only posing on that one side to hide that tattoo. I was always like just wanting to shoot my colorful side of the tattoos. I'm like, this side's more fun. 
Yeah. I just like, like stand normal and not thinking about a side anymore. Like I want both sides colorful. So within one year, I did that whole side of my body last year. And I'm so happy I did it. I feel like I'm just like balanced and even and like, I don't know. It did something for my mind. <laughs> it was kind of expensive, but I'm really happy about it. That's cool. Well, I hope to see you in some inked magazines in the near future. So you got to do some submissions. Me too. Thank you. Thank you for that um, inspiration. I'm going to have to kind of get on that. Yeah. Well, it is about almost an hour. So I think that we're going to wrap up the podcast. But is there anything else that you wanted to say before we go? No, just tell everybody thank you for listening. And thank you for having me on today. I hope you're coming back to Vegas soon so we can shoot some more fun, sexy stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there later this year, like in the fall. Oh, in the fall. Okay. Hopefully yeah. before it gets cold, we can shoot something cool outside. Um, but, uh, if you ski or snowboard, you should come up to where I am in South Utah. I'm at a ski resort about four hours of driving from Las Vegas. Oh, that's not so bad. I thought you guys were in Washington. Nah, no, nah, we're in South Utah. Oh, okay. Awesome. Do you ski or board? <laughs> No, but I like getting away sometimes. <laughs> okay, well, we've, we've got the RV up here. If you wanted to spend a few nights, uh, just let me know. Definitely. Th- thanks, Ashley. Yeah, great chatting with you. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye.